Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Almost Professional, a pre-professional podcast. This episode, I have with me one of my advising colleagues, Dr. Jody Dublin. Hello, everyone. So I asked Jody to come in and talk today to me talk to me today, God, about her own graduate background, what she's currently doing, her experiences in graduate school. And then I think at the end she's gonna talk a little bit more about some exciting opportunities that she feels like will be worthwhile to students, particularly based on what she found useful to her as a kind of student developing their own professional interests, both pre and during and post graduate school. So Jody, could you start off first by telling us what you are currently doing here at NYU? Yes. Um, I'm a pre-professional academic advisor at the College of Arts and Science. And what that means is that I work with students who are interested in entering a pre-health or pre-law profession. Um, and I also have a caseload of general CAS advisees who are freshmen up to seniors. So I work with a pretty wide range of students, even just within the context of pre-professional advising. Great. And... What is your academic background? I guess you can go from bachelor's through your most advanced graduate degree, and then we'll kind of walk back through them to learn a bit more piece by piece about how you got to those different steps in your academic career. Sure. I got my Bachelor of Arts in Latin American and Caribbean Studies and American and Florida Studies from Florida State University, and my Master's of Arts in counseling for mental health and wellness. I don't know why I always forget that one. Um, from New York University. And I also got my doctorate from New York University in higher and post-secondary education administration. So it was Latin American and Caribbean studies from Florida State University. Yes. And then a master's of arts in counseling services from New York University. And then doctorate in higher education administration. Exactly. Perfect. So I guess we'll start off I assume the students who I hope will be listening to this will be in college. Let's imagine you're already in college. Yes. Latin American Caribbean Studies. Yes. During college, was graduate school something you were already thinking about? Yes, absolutely. I knew probably from the time I was a senior in college that I wanted to be a professor. And that was my goal. I took a class um, during my senior year, which was also my sophomore year of college. That's complicated. Mm -hmm. But um, I took a class in Latin American humanities, and I knew that that was just where my heart was, and I knew that I wanted to be a professor and teach people about um, Latin America and the Caribbean and really the impact um, that things like the transatlantic slave trade and um, colonialism have uh, have wrought on the Western Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that your sophomore year in college was also your senior year in high school. Maybe tell us a little bit about that, how you kind of ended up in that situation. Yeah. So when I was growing up in uh, in my small town, shout out to Kissimmee, Florida, <laughs> um, we had a program. Not, not Kissimmee. Not Kissimmee. Do not bring Kissimmee to me. Um, <laughs> I will kick you in the eyebrow. Um, so in my school district, there was a program uh, called dual enrollment, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, uh, with the local community college. And I sweet talked my way into being able to take my full load of classes um, in my senior year at the community college and through things like dual enrollment and uh, advanced placement and some summer classes I took, I somehow bumped up to being a sophomore in college during my senior year of high school. 
So at that point, that kind of sets the stage for, you know, some of the other conversations or some of the other processes in terms of thinking about graduate school. It Mm -hmm. really ramped up. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought about staying at FSU for four years as my peers did, but I didn't really see the point. I was going to be finished with my major. I wanted to continue. Um, So, yeah, that was sophomore, senior year. (laughs) And maybe to kind of borrow in a little bit more on the moment when you really thought about graduate school, because you mentioned specifically interested in being, you're interested in being a professor, working in academics. Mm -hmm. Can you remember like a particular course or moment where that really kind of crystallized for you? Or is it just more you had this feeling that built up over a longer period of time? It was most likely during my Latin American humanities class. Mm -hmm. My professor was really engaged and engaging. Um, I really loved the material. And I just remember thinking, how come I didn't learn about this? Like, Mm -hmm. how come a lot of these concepts that I was hearing about were things that I had just heard of because I took this elective? Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that it was really important for me to be able to share a lot of that information with a wide group of people. And I knew that to be a professor, one had to have a doctorate. Mm -hmm. I didn't exactly know, like, all the intricacies of that, but I was also in a college prep program called the Upward Bound Program for low-income and first-generation college students Mm -hmm. um, that I remember someone, you know, diagramming, like, okay, these are the steps. High school diploma, associate degree, bachelor's degree, master's degree, specialist degree, doctorate degree. JD, MD, whatever. So I knew that, okay, to get to, you know, point W, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have to go through all these these steps. Mm-hmm. So you already had a kind of trajectory through different graduate degrees at different points in your academic career to get to this end goal that you had of being a professor or working in academics. Exactly. You mentioned the Upward Bound program? Yes. Correct? How did you become involved in that program? I am a lover of school, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I'm sure many people who are uh, at this level of education are. And I remember being in school and seeing a poster that was like, earn college credit while you're in high school and mm-hmm. meet new people and stuff like that. And I knew that, um, I knew about my income level because I think a lot of people, um, when you're working class, you're very conscious of your income level. So mm-hmm. I knew that I fell into that criteria. Um, I interviewed with the program and they said that I could join. Mm-hmm. So I was part of it from um, the time that I was a freshman all the way up until senior year. Um, and we met every Saturday on the campus of the community college that I ended up going to. And during the summer we did enrichment. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. like, I thought it was fun because I love school, (laughs) Um, but we went every day and we did different subjects based on what uh, you were going to take next year. Mm -hmm. So I guess that also kind of got me in the whole college mind frame. And I love college. I've wanted to go to college since I was 10 years old, Mm -hmm. even again, not even knowing anything about what college exactly is. I just knew that it would be somewhere that I would love. And so you mentioned, too, that as part of the Upward Bound program, part of the enrichment, I guess, you had um, some support, I guess, professional support or kind of long-term planning support to help you think about the next steps even after undergrad. Um, it sounds like th- it was during Upward Bound where they were talking about kind of that you go yeah. to a master's degree, you go to mm-hmm. a PhD, this is what the process looks yeah. like. Beyond that and the kind of coursework that you took, was there anything else you feel like you did as an undergrad to prepare yourself for graduate school? Things like research, internships, extracurricular, co-curricular stuff? 
So even before that, I'll, I'll kind of go back to high school for a second. Um, through the un Upward Bound program, perhaps the most important thing that I was told about was the Gates Millennium Scholarship, mm -hmm. which was a scholarship, again, for first-generation and low-income students um, from Black, Latinx, um, Asian, and Native American backgrounds, where students could earn funding for bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees in certain areas. So I found out about that scholarship through the program, and I was like, I'm never going to get this, like you know, thousands of students are applying, like, who am I, whatever. But my counselor helped me fill out the application, mm -hmm. um, and I ended up getting it. So when I was going into Florida State, I was really fortunate to receive aid from multiple sources. And so the Gates Scholarship only gave me $500 a year. And mm -hmm. I was like, what am I going to do with this $500? I didn't realize that it was so robust. Mm -hmm. So when I found out that they would basically meet full need mm -hmm. wherever I wanted to go, um, that really changed the conversation for me. Um, I had picked Florida State because I knew that it was going to be um, cost effective for my family and it was going to be close and things like that. But once I knew that money wasn't an option, I you know, set my sights a lot bigger. I love FSU, <laughs> but uh, I really wanted to leave Florida. So, mm -hmm. so that was one of the factors that really got me to start thinking about graduate school. I didn't do any internships mm -hmm. when I was in grad school. That wasn't really a thing, especially with my major. Um, it's, and I knew that I wanted to be a professor. So there's not really like internships per se. I didn't know anything about research. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about that until I got to graduate school. and um, I, But I did have a job. I was an RA. Mm -hmm. And that was when I first sort of fell in love with working at a college, helping college students, mm -hmm. and really saw myself as, or that as being a valid career path for me. Mm -hmm. A kind of, like a student services focused career path. Maybe exactly. not necessarily like a professor, but involved in academics through a kind of helping student affairs yes, administrative capacity. Definitely. Yeah. That was something that I really loved. I loved I would say I've had a lot of jobs in my life, probably about fourteen or fifteen. And that might be my favorite job hmm. that I've ever had. It sounds like this experience working as an RA helped you kind of more clearly understand what specific graduate school path might work best for your interests, yes. for your career goals, mm -hmm. things like that. Let's kind of fast forward then to the process of maybe decision-making and applying to graduate school. Yes. You said you knew you didn't necessarily want to stay at Florida State. Was NYU a particular school you were interested in? Was it something you discovered yourself, something you were directed to? How did you learn about NYU as one of your possible programs? So I always wanted to move to New York. I uh, am from a small town, as I mentioned before, and I really wanted to just break out of that small town, um, going everywhere, knowing everybody. I really wanted to really try to make it on my own and kind of be an anonymous and stuff like that. So I thought about where I wanted to go, and it was going to be New York. Mm -hmm. And I thought about two schools that I was interested in. One was NYU. The other one was Columbia. And then two Florida schools. One was Florida State, which I wasn't thrilled about. And the other one was University of Florida, which I was even less thrilled about. <laughs> if anyone knows anything about college rivalries, that's uh, that's the biggest, one of the biggest ones. Um, but I knew that I needed some variety. Mm -hmm. 
so as I mentioned before, I had the Gates Millennium Scholarship. And that scholarship at the undergraduate level funds everyone. You can pick mm -hmm. whatever major you mm -hmm. want. You know, you can kind of explore. But at the graduate level, they fund in five areas. So it's science, mathematics, um, library science, education, and I want to say like engineering or mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't come from a science or math background, mm -hmm. that automatically eliminated three of those areas. Mm -hmm. Library science, I didn't know what it was. I wasn't interested, and I, you know, I couldn't look it up or anything. <laughs> um, so I, you know, automatically knocked that one out, and that left education. And I remember thinking, like, well, I don't want to be a teacher, like, you know, a K-12 through teacher or anything like that. I want to do this other thing. But I remember getting the catalog, the application from NYU, and back at that time, it was like a paper application that you, <laughs> that you had to write in and stuff like that so I got the you know the application and I was going through all the programs and I remember seeing one for counseling it was called uh, counseling for colleges and community agencies and I was mm -hmm. like yes I definitely want to do this I want to be a counselor I want to work with college kids like this is definitely me so I applied and I was intending to fill out the applications for the other three schools. And by the time I was about to do it, I had gotten my acceptance from NYU. And it was my top choice. So I just never bothered with the, with the other applications. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up here. Now, thinking about that application, do you remember kind of the process of putting it together? Like, did you require a personal statement? Did you require recommendations? How did you get those materials together if you were putting it together? I needed both of those things. So as I mentioned before, I was an RA mm -hmm. and I had a hall director and assistant hall director that were really amazing. Um, they were in the higher education field. They had studied higher education. And so I really used them as a resource. So I talked to them a lot about their trajectory in terms of higher ed and things like that. Um, and graduate school. So one of them wrote me a letter of recommendation. And then I had also had a professor that I'd taken twice. Mm -hmm. um, and I really loved her. And I had her in a, in a larger class. It was like Black America since 1877. And then a smaller class, a senior seminar in history. It was about mm -hmm. the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, going to visit her and like really wanting to like have a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And I remember that being very difficult for me. And it's still something that I struggle with. Um, but for her, like it was easy. Like she yeah. was very easy to talk to and she gave me a lot of good advice. And so she wrote my other letter of recommendation. Mm -hmm. So I remember getting those two things together. My personal statement, my uh, my hall director helped me with. Um, I remember writing about wanting to be in New York. <laughs> um, and at that time, I was really interested in working with people with AIDS. Mm. Um, I had gone to a conference and learned about AIDS and the AIDS epidemic in the Caribbean, and it really touched, you know, touched me. Um, and so I wrote about, you know, wanting to do that and wanting to do work there and stuff like that. Um, and so those are the things that I wrote about in my personal statement. Um, so now you're accepted to NYU. Yes. Coming here. Very exciting. Um, your experience in that, cause I guess you'd kind of gone directly from your undergraduate. 
Yeah. Right? Your experience in those master's classes, what was that like? Were you aware of a difference from your undergrad experience? And if so, what kind of difference? Hmm. Or not? Well, one thing was that there were the age uh, distribution was a lot different. Mm. Now, I knew that I was younger. I was 19. So I knew that I was the youngest person in the world, it seemed like. Um, but there were also a lot of other people. It was mostly women um, who were older. So they were bringing a lot of different things into the classroom. Um, they were bringing their work experience, their real life experience. So that was really valuable. But it was difficult for me because I didn't have a lot of experience. And at the master's level, especially in uh, something like counseling where it's applied, um, there might be people who have done this work who are just really looking for a credential mm -hmm. so that they can move ahead. So there's a real diversity in terms of who's in the classroom at that point. In terms of workload, I found it to be similar. Mm -hmm not easier um, than my undergraduate work. Um, I had to do internships. So I did that in my second year. My, it was a two-year program. So I did that in my second year. Um, it was, I didn't feel like it was too challenging. I had a test at the end, a comprehensive exam. Um, but I, it that was probably the only difference from undergrad is the internship and, and the exam. Mm. You mentioned a few different things, but is there any kind of course or experience that stands out from your master's your time as a master's student? Definitely. Um, in my second semester of my last year, I took a class called um, like Development of Immigrant Origin Youth. Mm -hmm. And that was really a turning point for me. I had it with uh, Dr. Uh, Carola Suarez Orozco, who is a psychologist and does a lot of work around immigrant, um, immigrant kids, children, um, and children of immigrants. And um, it really showed me something that uh, was very meaningful. Um, I'm an immigrant, and that experience was, um, I don't know, it really got me to start thinking about how I approach things like education and things like that through that lens and it was at that point that I learned about things like social capital and um, basically the experiences that immigrants can go through as they're coming to this country living in this country etc so that actually um, served as a catalyst for my doctoral mm -hmm. uh, dissertation was going to that class, learning about social capital, learning about how students access it, and the ways in which access to different social capital can um, can help students succeed or you know or not really. So that was something that was really kind of really inspired the direction your doctoral research took. Definitely. Had you been considering a specific type of doctoral program maybe up until that point? No, I had known that I wanted to take some time off. Mm -hmm. So I thought I was going to work in some kind of counseling setting, um, but I, I knew that I was like kind of tired and I wanted a little time off between, um, between the master's and the doctoral mm -hmm. uh, degree. So I wasn't super thinking about what exact step I was going to be taking next, but I knew that I was going to be taking the next step. Some step. Yeah. yeah. So before we go on to those next steps... 
to get some more nuts and bolts about your graduate school experience. Mm-hmm. I guess finances are something people are always very understandably concerned about. Exactly. You mentioned tuition was supported by the Gates Millennium Scholarship. Yes. But what about everything else? I feel like people often are focused, so focused on the tuition part of master's uh-huh. school, uh, master's programs, master's education. They're not necessarily talking about the cost of living, the real estate costs, the food, things like that. Yes. How did you help uh, defray those costs? So as a very uh, enterprising young woman, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I um, had been working in housing, as I mentioned earlier, as an Mm -hmm. RA, um, and I I liked the work and I wanted to continue it when I got to NYU. So I applied to a position before I got here um, called the graduate housing assistant position, Mm -hmm. um, which allowed me to live on for free, gave me... $5,000 a year, which looking back, like, (laughs) that was so little, Um, and a meal plan. Okay. So I had those things kind of covered. And then I also had, like, another job on top of that job. So that job was, like, about 20 hours a week. And then I also had, like, like not – I was an operations assistant, so I worked at the front desk for, I don't know, like, five hours a week or something. Working day and night. I we haven't even talked about my doctoral <laughs> program. I love a job. This is probably the longest that I've ever been in my life where I've only worked one job. Oh I always have like multiple jobs. Everything going on. Um, how did you find out about this uh, graduate position? I googled. I mm. just googled, um, and I probably didn't even use Google because I don't even know if Google was around back you then. Used Alta Vista. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. How can I find graduate employment? <laughs> Um, I went to the library and pulled out the card catalog. Um, so I just Googled like NYU resident assistant and I saw that, um, or NYU housing jobs or something. And I saw that their RA process was a lot different from mm-hmm. ours. So I was not able to go through it because it was like, it's beyond campus and it was like six weeks and it's like, you know, it was very intense. Um, so I saw this other job that was like, fill out an application, you'll be interviewed and then we'll let you know. And initially, I was um, put on the alternate list, mm-hmm. um, and that was a bummer. But I was like, you know what? I'll figure it out when I get up there. I'll, you know, do something, and then break some shins. Yeah, <laughs> do whatever I have to do. <laughs> By any means necessary. By any means necessary. <laughs> um, but later on in the summer, I got a call, and uh, I had gotten the job. So I think they gave me like two weeks to move up there. Wow. Um, and it was a uh, baptism by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. My boss was, you know, a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was not. I was a young Floridian. Um, and so it was a, a learning curve. But thankfully, I, I really think that I was lucky that I got to start working before I added school on top of that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was able to ease into being a New Yorker and working and being at NYU and, you know, all the other adjustments that had to be yeah. made. You had some time to kind of sink into it a little bit. Exactly. Do you feel like in that graduate position, were there expectations that were different than those you might experience when you were doing undergraduate level student work? Yeah. So my team, first of all, was much smaller. It was me and my uh, my residence hall operations manager. Mm-hmm. So we also had like a, a staff of operations assistants. But for the most part, like she relied a lot on me. Um, and I was I also had to supervise students um, a little bit. So that was a huge change. Um, the volume was a lot different. Mm-hmm. I was in charge of 
um, Lipton Hall, mm-hmm. uh, which is about 700 students, and then Washington Square Village, which was about 100 and or 200 and something. Whereas when I was an RA, I only had to be in charge of like the 45 students on my floor. So it was scale. It was, you know, scale of just serving students, but also scale of uh, responsibilities. Um, and just thinking about being in charge of like larger emergencies and things like that. Did you find that kind of work responsibility challenging to balance with the demands of your master's coursework? I really don't recall my master's coursework being that difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe if I went back and read my journals, it would (laughs) be a different story. But I really, it was like papers and things like Uh that, which is mostly like self-directed work. I had very few like tests and things. So, um, I mean, there were times where I was doing homework while I was, you know, on duty or something like that. So, yeah, I guess there were times when I had to kind of balance, but mm-hmm. I was always used to doing a lot of responsibilities, so. It wasn't so challenging. No, not really. Good. So, you mentioned that you did comprehensive exams at the end of your master's. Yes. What was that like? Um, I got a book, and, like, I did whatever the practice tests were, and then I took the test. So, it was a written exam. Yeah, it was like multiple choice. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was something like for counselors. Or like a licensing exam or something. Not exactly. Uh, Not exactly. Uh, Yeah, that's a different story. But but it was like you, you know, you are competent to now start the work towards Mm. trying to get your license. Okay. So, yeah, I did that. And I don't really, again, remember that being super taxing. I got the book. I read through it. I, like, did the questions or whatever. And then I just remember taking the test. It didn't take me a super long time. And here I am. Good. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. (laughs) What will happen next? How does Jody get to her doctoral program? Does she go into it directly after finishing her master's? How does she finish her doctoral program and come to work at NYU? Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Jody Dublin to find out more.